Uh, good morning and hello to everybody who is here joining in person or for all of you joining online. Uh, it's great to have you. If you're able, uh, why don't you stand as we uh, sing uh, worship unto God this morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. You wrestle with the sinner's restless heart. You lead us by still waters into mercy. And nothing can keep us apart. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, O oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Great is your love and justice, God of Jacob. You use the weak to lead the strong. You lead us in the song of your salvation. And all your people sing along. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, O oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. So remember your people, remember your children, remember your promise, O oh God. Your grace is enough, your grace is enough, your grace is enough for me. Your grace is enough, heaven reaches out for us, oh, your grace is enough for me. And God, I sing your grace is enough. I'm covered in your love. Your grace is enough for me. For me.
He's coming on the clouds. King and kingdoms will bow down. And every chain will break as broken hearts declare His praise. For who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chain. And every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. So open up the gates, make way before the King of Kings. The God who comes to save is here to set the captives free. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And every knee will bow before Him. Our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, and every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before Him. And who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? And who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? Amen. I trust you know the answer to that question. Won't you say hi to somebody before you're seated this morning? And Happy New Year to those who from the Chinese calendar. Happy Chinese New Year. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. It's nice to see you today. Thank you. Thank you. You are now my favorite person ever. I want to welcome you this morning to the service. Thank you for those of you who have Driven in this morning, and for those of you who are joining us on the live stream, we're just uh, so thrilled that you have chosen to take the time to be a part of gathering with us today, worshiping with us, learning with us, growing with us, uh, giving with us, all the things that come as being a part of a community. Thank you so much for being a part of us today. We want to welcome you. If it's your first time ever here, we want to extend a very warm welcome to you, or maybe you were here, but it's been a very long time. We want to extend a warm welcome to you, and if this is your first time, we want to be able to offer to you 
uh, are an opportunity for us to come alongside and help you and encourage you and uh, assist you in any way that we can. And so uh, the best way that we find to connect with you in that way is if you would take the card in the chair pew in front of you, if you would fill that out and leave it at the information desk in the foyer at the end of the service. And if you would like us to follow up with you, we'll be prompt to do that. If you have a prayer request, you can write it there. And uh, there's also a small gift there for you. So uh, we're glad to be able to connect with you in any way that we can this morning. Just have a couple of reminders. Uh, the numbered envelopes, and I recognize that a lot of us are no longer using the numbered envelope system now that through COVID we've implemented the e-transfer uh, opportunity to you that's, that's a lot more convenient and a lot of you are availing of that and that's great. And because of that, you're no longer uh, requiring the numbered envelopes. And if that's the case, that's fine. Uh, but if you still want to use numbered envelopes and you haven't picked yours up yet, there are still some on the desk in the foyer. And uh, we'll just leave them there for another week or so, and then we'll just we'll pull them back. But uh, just a reminder that they are there if you intend to pick them up. And also, uh, as the year goes on, we'll probably just check in with you and see if this is something that you want to continue with as far as a numbered envelope for you specifically, or if that's no longer needed because you're giving in different means, and then we'll make those changes as well. Also just want to remind you, our, uh, we mentioned last week, that uh, we just have this wonderful opportunity and, and ministry that we do here as part of EPC where we serve clients uh, a full hot breakfast the first Saturday of every month at the Kerr Street Mission. And uh, it's just a blessing. I've been there personally uh, a number of times myself, and I know some of you are regulars. And right now, that team needs a, a few extra individuals to join that team. And if that's something that you think you might like to be a part of in making and serving breakfast uh, once the first Saturday of each month, then I would encourage you to see Kelly Sarian, who heads that up, or Pastor Jennifer, and uh, they'll be happy to talk to you and to help you get settled away and answer any questions that you might have in regards to that. So, kids, you are free and uh, volunteers to go, and we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings at this time, so I'm going to invite our ushers to do that. And I just want to remind you, if you do want to give electronically, it's giving at epcoakville.com. God bless you. Thank you. As you continue to worship, we're going to hand it back over to Andrew and the team. God bless you as you worship this morning. Faithfulness, faithfulness, 
still in your hands this is my confidence you never failed me And I know the night won't last Your word will come to pass And my heart will sing your praise again And Jesus, you're still enough Keep me within your love And my heart will sing your praise again Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness Still in your hands, this is my confidence. You never fail. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me Confidence, you never fail. 
Your promise still stands. Oh, great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness. I'm still in your hands. This is my confidence. You never fail me
lift my hands to heaven, hear my heart surrendered, tell my soul again, you are Lord of all. And though the seas are raging, you will speak and tame them, and you will find my rest, you are in control. You I find my rest, you are in control. Before we actually go into the next song, I wanted to share something uh, with you that I was kind of, uh, I guess, thinking through it when preparing for this Sunday just kind of came to mind I thought I, I thought I'd share um, the next song that we're gonna sing is pretty familiar it says where you go I'll go where you stay I'll stay where you move I'll move I will follow you and uh, I was reminded of of I guess this concept I think there's a um, Craig Rochelle wrote a book about it I haven't read it so I'm sorry but it's about praying dangerously and so it, it, I was thinking about how um, Kind of an example of that was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he's praying, uh, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And how, how that's, uh, when you think about it, it's, uh, that can be a dangerous prayer because you need to know what you're signing up for when you pray something like that. When you say, God, like your will be done, not mine. I will follow what you say, where you lead me. That's a, it's, you better be ready for what that might mean when he, when he calls you into something or, or leads you a certain way. You, you need to uh, be prepared for, for what comes next. And so as we sing this song, and, and it can be so easy to just sing the song and, and sing the words, but would it, would it be a declaration of where your heart is at or would it be um, a reminder to, to stir up that faith, to have that faith, to to believe that God is going with you, he goes before you, and that you can follow him because his plans for you are, are to prosper you and not to lead you into harm. So as we sing this, would you be reminded of that? Would it, would it encourage you and um, uh, just empower you this morning? Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. You move, I'll move, I will follow. And all your ways are good, all your ways are sure. I will trust in you alone, higher than my sight high above my life I will trust in you alone and where you go I'll go where you stay I'll stay when you move I'll move I will follow you whom you love I'll love how you serve I'll serve if this life I lose, oh, I will follow you. I will follow you. And 
light into the world, light into my life. I will live for you alone. You're the one I seek, knowing I will find all I need in you alone, in you alone. Where you go, I'll go. Where you say, I'll say. When you move, I'll move. Oh, I will follow you. Whom you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, oh, I will follow you. I will follow you. In you, there's life everlasting. In you, there's freedom for my soul. In you, there's joy unending joy. And I will follow where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you, whom you love, I'll love, how you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, oh, I will follow, oh, where you go, I'll go, where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move, I will follow you, whom you love, I'll love, how you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, oh, I will follow you. I will follow you. I will follow you. Oh, I will follow you. And where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow whom you love, I'll love. How you serve, I'll serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. So God, we, we come before you ready to, to recommit our lives to you, God. We know that we can trust in you, that we can follow you. So would we make that, that declaration and that recommitment to you, Lord, that we would pray that way, that we would, we would pray for your will to be done in our lives. And would we have the faith to, to know that you are in control and that you are working it in the favor of those who love you, God? That we have eternity to look to, so would we, would we not be afraid of making that promise and living that out in our lives? God, I just I pray for the rest of the service, Lord. Pray that you would you would have your hand on each and every aspect. 
Would you bless Pastor Shannon as he brings the word this morning? Would you speak through him, speak through what he's prepared? You speak to us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. We're just reading that one verse together this morning. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, worship team. Thank you, Andrew, for leading us, and thank you for sharing your heart with us, encouraging us this morning. My mother was a fantastic cook best ever. And a great baker. Sometimes you can be one and not the other, but she was, she was both. And, and many of you have heard me talk before about a time in our family's history when out of necessity and survival, my mom started a small in-home bakery to help support our family. Now, one of the many benefits of having a mom that baked a lot was a frequent invitation to lick the icing bowl and the beaters, right? I mean, as a kid, you learn to approach that task with the precision of a neurosurgeon, making sure every last remnant of icing was consumed. The goal was that the person who picked it up next wouldn't even know, is it clean or not? Because you did such a good job. I mean, these were simple, yet joy-filled moments of childhood. In fact, last night I made icing and Jen didn't want to lick the beater, so I got to enjoy what I'm talking about all by myself. Last night, it's been a while, because when you have kids, for whatever reason, they always get them now. It's like, what's with that? I recently saw a sign that said, life is short, lick the bowl. And I thought, what a great sign. You know, hang that in your kitchen as a reminder. What a great reminder to stop and find the joy in simple things, allowing your mind to drift back to simpler times and greater joys. However, if you were to take that very same sign from your kitchen and put it in your bathroom, (laughs) the message becomes a very different one, doesn't it? Instead of these warm and inviting moments, it becomes gross and rejecting, right? Because context is important. Context is important. And the truth is, when it comes to the Bible, context is everything. Context is critically important. And scripture that is viewed in the wrong context will often not only end with missing the intended meaning, but it may even result and often results in formulating a wrong 
meaning. And so today, we are continuing our winter sermon series, which is entitled Promise Book Passages, as we explore some of the most common scriptures that are taken out of context. Attempting, our goal is to attempt to understand them within the context that they were intended to be understood. And so today we're looking at Jeremiah 29.11. Now many would say that Jeremiah 29.11 is probably, of all the scriptures that are taken out of context, Jeremiah 29.11 is, is the champion. It's a scripture that many consider to be the most taken out of context verses in the Bible. Now, for fun, I googled Jeremiah 29.11 merchandise. It was a fun way to pass some time. Didn't take long. And this is what I found. Graduation cards, mugs, bracelets, keychains, t-shirts, wall hangers, bumper stickers, throw pillows. What's with throw pillows anyway? Anyway, notebook covers, picture frames, bookmarks, tattoos, pens, and so on. There was a lot. <laughs> this is a very common verse. And so today, we're going to attempt to understand the context of Jeremiah 29.11 to better understand what's intended as we read this scripture what was intended to who it was written to, and what, what does it mean for us when we understand the context that it was in. So let's, let's start with some background. When you read the Old Testament, you see that God is creating a people who will honor his name in a way that not only affects their lives, but will also impact the nation's around them. It's not just for them, it's for the nations around them. And so we see God's promise to Abraham that Abraham, through you, a great nation is going to come, a nation that all the, the, you know, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And because we know that the Old Testament is, is leading us and pointing us to Jesus, helping us come to that realization and understanding of Jesus. And so through this nation, all nations of the earth will be blessed. We see this promised nation in some difficulty, experiencing slavery in Egypt. Not much of a, where most of them expected they would be if they were these promised people, but we see them in slavery in Egypt, and then we see God leading his people out of Egypt by way of the leadership of Moses out of Egypt through the wilderness in what is known as the Exodus to a, a promised land that was given to them, but not just arbitrarily given to them, given to them with very clear instructions and conditions. The law of God was to be central to their lives. They were to live in obedience to what God asked of them. They were to be faithful to God as they were surrounded by nations that worshipped idols and, and performed all kinds of religious things, they, they no, you're, you know, your faith has to be and your trust has to be 
in God, not in idolatry like the surrounding nations. And so God said, if if you're obedient to me in these things, in turn, you know what? I'm going to be with you, and I will protect you, and I will bless you. And, you know, you're going to be a people that will positively impact the nations around you. And God made a covenant with them, a spiritual agreement, a pledge. But we see the problem. And the problem is, is that both the leadership and the people sinned continuously. They broke their vows to God continuously, over and over and over. And they refused to listen to the warnings of God that he brought through his prophets. They they didn't listen to the prophets and the warnings from God. In fact, we see in Scripture there are times that they actually mocked God's prophets, and they broke the covenant. And so the result of that is that God made good on his ultimatum. If they refuse to be obedient, if they refuse to be faithful, then God said, what's going to happen is you're going to end up being scattered throughout the nations. You're going to end up living in exile. And so, in 597 BC, 3,000 Judean Jews, elders, priests, and prophets of Israel were sent to Babylon, which is where we are in this verse. They went from living in the promised land to living in this strange and foreign land. As you can imagine, they're unhappy there. They're homesick. They're longing for what was. They they want it more than anything for their present reality to come to an end and for God to to put things back the way they were before. That's, That's what they want. And there are even prophets, we're told, some of them back home in Jerusalem, as well as some amongst these who have been sent to Babylon, and they were prophesying. And what they were prophesying is that we, you know, God says that in two years, this is going to end, even though God didn't say two years. God said 70 years, telling them that there would be an early release, good news, early release, and in the meantime, you should resist the Babylonians, and you should fight for what you want, and you should form a rebellion. Now, this message was exactly what the people in exile wanted to hear. It was exactly what they wanted to hear. That times were bad, and they found themselves in difficult circumstances, but but what they wanted to hear is that God was going to put it back the way it was within a short period of time. But the problem was, what they're saying is not what God said. That's not what God said. They were false prophets. So that's the background of Jeremiah 29. Now, the content of Jeremiah 29 is, is, is the instructions from God. Jeremiah was a true prophet of God. He wasn't one of the false prophets. He was a legitimate, true prophet of God. And he was living in Jerusalem. He wasn't a part of the Babylonian exile. He was in Jerusalem, ministering in Jerusalem. And he witnessed what these other so-called prophets were saying in Jerusalem. He could hear their message. And and he also got word that the prophets in, in Babylon 
were actually in partnership with these prophets, and they were saying the same thing to the people there. And, and in hearing that, he became very, very upset. Well, since he couldn't travel to Babylon and address this false information directly to the people in exile there, he wrote a letter to be carried to the Babylonian exiles to communicate God's word to them while they were there. And so Jeremiah 29 is actually the first recorded letter in the Bible. Jeremiah 29 is a letter. And most of chapter 29 is the contents of this particular letter that Jeremiah wrote to the Babylonian exiles. And he told them in his letter to not be deceived by these false prophets that were among them. That their words were lies. That the words that they were speaking were not from God. They weren't from the Lord. And that God's intention for them was not a quick release. That God's intention was actually the opposite. God's intention was for them to focus on how they would live while they were in exile and the impact that that could make on them and the Babylonians if they were willing to do it. And so then in his letter, he outlined four instructions from God framing how they should spend this time in this foreign context in order to make the most of this opportunity. And so first he said, build houses and plant gardens. The houses God referred to here were family homes. The gardens were kitchen gardens, not farms. And so these were for the express purpose of growing food for your family to eat. And so shelter and food were foundational to survival. And so what God was saying is this, you need to settle in. You need to establish a home there. You need to live as normal as possible amongst these strangers. God is saying, you need to unpack your suitcase because you're going to be here for a while. That was the first thing God said. Now you know why they like the other guys better. Secondly, God said, you need to get married and have children. God's intention for once again, was life as usual, to grow as families, even though they were living among strangers in a strange land. But there was a challenge with that, with these Jewish people. There are many specific details of how Jews culturally arranged weddings. It's really interesting to me that they would totally disobey God and live whatever way they want and listen to false prophets, but they get hung up on the fact of their marriage rituals. Interesting. There's specific details of how these Jews culturally arrange their marriages, and they're going to need to modify that somewhat under these circumstances. It's not going to work the way it did back home. It's going to be different. And God says, don't be afraid to make adjustments. Make it work with what you have where you are. Make it work. The third thing God said was, pray for peace and prosperity. 
And the focus of this prayer was not for themselves. God didn't say, you need to pray that you will have peace in your life. No, that you will have prosperity. No, he says, no, it's not for you. Don't, this is not focused on you. The focus was for the city that they were now living in. And God said, don't resent the strangers around you. Don't resent them. Don't reject them. Pray for them. See them as people who are candidates, become the people of God, just as you are. Pray for the prosperity of your city. Because if your city prospers, well, you will prosper too. This was not a time to revolt against their context, something these false you know, prophets were trying to rouse up and get them to do. God is saying, this is not a time and the place for this. This is a time to trust God that he will work in the midst of this darkness if they're faithful to do what he's asking. And then the fourth and final point in his letter was this. Reject spiritual ignorance. God said there are people around you who hold spiritual offices And who are saying the things that you want to hear. They're trying to rally you. They're convincing you of certain things. They're attempting to bring you to a certain type of action and a certain type of response. And God said, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Don't let them deceive you. They claim to speak in my name, but they're not speaking my words. I didn't send them. The words they're speaking, I didn't give them. So don't listen to them. And then the letter ends with hope. God's words to the exiles included a promise for the future that should instill hope in them. The only way for them to know true hope was to trust in God in the midst of these terrible circumstances. Believing that what God was promising for the future would come to pass, even though the present reality said something different. God said he would bring them back when the time was right. In God's economy, there was an end date. And God said, I have a plan. I'm in control. This is not all randomly happening. You may not understand it. You may not know what it is, but I have a plan. And it's a good plan. It's a good plan. The plan that I have for Israel is not a plan to destroy you as a nation, even though it's difficult right now for you as a nation. In fact, it's meant to prosper Israel, to add to Israel, not to take away. And so God was saying there will be a time in the future when you will leave this foreign place of exile and captivity. You will no longer as a people be living in Babylon and you will go home as a people. And when that time comes, you will call on me And I will answer. Because God knew that this whole exile was going to restore their relationship and it was going to change things. And he said, when that time comes, you will call on me and I'm going to answer. You're going to pray 
and I'm going to hear you because right now I'm not listening to you. But when you pray, I will answer you when we restore this. You will seek me then and you will find me. Right now you can't find me in the midst of all of this. But at some point you will find me again. And so what God was saying here at the end of his letter is, your current reality is not the destiny of Israel. It's not the destiny of the Jewish people. If as a people you stay focused on me and you trust me and you live as I've asked you through this difficult time, there will be hope in the future for this nation. God's letter through Jeremiah to his people in Babylon in Jeremiah 29. Now, as we've already seen this morning, Jeremiah 29 is a letter written to a Jewish nation living in Babylonian exile because they've broken their covenant with God. Jeremiah 29, and this is important, is written to a specific group of people, Jews, in a specific moment in time, 597 BC, who are experiencing a specific situation, exile in Babylon. The word you in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord or declares the Lord, is not a singular word. It's like me standing up here in front of you and saying, you know, you can give your offering via e-transfer. I'm not talking to one particular individual. I'm talking to the group as a whole. And so the word you here is written in that context. It's not written to a person. It is written to a group of people who find themselves in a situation. He's speaking to the whole nation. And what he's saying is, I know the plans I have for Israel. God never promised the Jewish exiles a problem-free life. He never promised that. He didn't promise them that their suffering would come to an end quickly or that things were going to go in the direction that they wanted them to go in. God never promised them that. There are many who read Jeremiah 29 verse 11 and they read it as a personal promise to them that God has our lives mapped out. And if we walk in obedience to him, we'll have a problem-free life. We'll, we'll be devoid of trials because God has a plan for me and the plan is to prosper and not to harm me. So, you know, if I walk in obedience to that and I, I trust in him, then, then my life is going to be good. When we read Jeremiah 29, 11 as a personal, individual promise, it loses its original intention and becomes a very me-focused scripture. What God can and will do for me, the plan that God has for me. But it's not about that. There's no question God does things for us. And God has a plan for us, I, I believe that. But this verse is not about that. This verse is not about that. There are some people that even take this verse a step further 
And they focus in on a word that is in this short verse. And that word, you know, is, is, that, is, is, is linked to prosper, this, this idea of prospering. And there are whole groups that build their, their theology and their belief in God around this idea of, of, of prosper, linking prosperity to material blessing, to wealth, to good health, to individual success. That God's plan for us is financial and material prosperity and success. That if God has a plan for me and the plan is good and the plan is to prosper, then, you know, I just need to live in obedience to God and all these things are going to, that's the windfall of my life. And we all know where that breaks down. This verse is not a personal promise. This verse is not about financial and material prosperity and success. This verse is not about escaping painful realities in this life. This verse is not about struggling to discover God's plan for your life. That if God has a plan, well, I have to figure out what it is. And there's just so much stress and anxiety and pressure on me because I, I can't figure it out, God. It's not about that. This verse is a reminder that God is still in control even when everything seems out of control. That's what this verse is. It's a reminder of that. This verse is a reminder to trust in God even when things are bad. This verse is a reminder that we have hope. We have hope in the midst of despair. This verse is about learning to live in the midst of painful realities and glorify God in the process. And so when we read the Bible, we see that a day is coming when Jesus is going to return. And I believe that to my core. I really hope it's soon. Before the next interest rate hike. That'd be really good. Jesus is going to return and fully usher in God's kingdom. And as followers of Jesus, we live in excited anticipation of that day. But we also see when we read Scripture that things are going to deteriorate even more significantly before he comes back. Followers of Jesus will be persecuted. The Bible tells us that. Lose our rights, lose our influence, lose our opportunities. Yet his kingdom, and this is the the amazing thing about his kingdom is that somehow in the midst of this, this is the catalyst for his kingdom to prevail. That in God's economy, it's the weak who are strong. In God's economy, it's the, it's the losers who are the winners. In God's economy, it's the last who are first, right? And so even though things deteriorate and become painful and difficult and hard to see and frustrating, we know that, that these are just signs that, that, that he's coming. And so we need to be reminded today, we need to be reminded as the people of God that our hope is not in a political system. Our hope is not in a particular political leader or group of leaders. It's not in legislation. It's not in improving our personal circumstances. It's not increasing our wealth or, or improving our health. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. 
My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. He's our hope. He's our hope, not these other things. They're just voices in the wind saying things that are clouding out what we need to hear that he's our hope. In the midst of the despair, in the midst of the hopelessness, in the midst of the decay, a lamb appears. A lamb appears. One who is worthy. The only one who is worthy. Folks, there will be a time in the future when this world will be redeemed and transformed. And if we stay focused on Jesus, if we trust Jesus, if we live as Jesus has asked us to live, we will not only get through this difficult time that we may find ourselves in individually and culturally as a people, but we will make an impact on those around us during this difficult time for the kingdom of God despite how bad things get. In the meantime, we are called to intentionally live out the mission of the kingdom of God. In the midst of this, to be the salt and to be the light. Salt in the midst of decay, light in the midst of darkness. To live like Jesus lived and to love like Jesus loved. We sang about that earlier. To make disciples as people come to saving faith in him. So like the Jewish exiles, we embrace our difficult and painful surroundings. And we buy homes. And we work side by side with people of different beliefs and values. And we live our lives, and we pray for those around us, and we love those around us like we've never loved them before. And like the Jews, we adjust our methods without compromising the core of our message. And we trust that God is working in this darkness through us when we are faithful to be the follower of Jesus, followers of Jesus that he's called us to be. Folks, being a follower of Jesus is not about rejecting our current environment. If there's anything we learn from Jeremiah 29, it's not. The goal is not to reject our current environment. It's about being faithful within our current environment to live as God has called us to live. What Jeremiah 29 teaches us is this. Life is hard. Life is hard. Life is painful. Some of it may be our own doing with our choices, and much of it is likely not anything that we're reaping negativity from. But life is hard. But what we learn from Jeremiah 29 is that somehow in the midst of the painful realities of life, we find a way to bloom where we're planted, to make the most of those opportunities, for God to use us there as best he can, to stop cursing the darkness and start Spreading the light. It's not about changing our environment. It's about faithfully living for Jesus within whatever environment we find ourselves in. The only person that we can find hope in is Jesus Christ. So we live 
for him with all of our hearts, despite what our realities are. And we focus on helping people come to him, regardless of our own personal circumstances. That we need to put on a keychain. Cheer up, it gets worse. Probably wouldn't sell very many. Andrew, I would like to invite you back, worship team. One of the greatest joys of being able to talk about certain topics as a leader is having experienced those things so you're not just talking in theory. You like, and when I say you, I mean yous, plural, like me, have found ourselves or are finding ourselves in environments where there's nothing we want more than out. We want out. God, get me out of this. There's no value here. There's no benefit to this. It's painful. It's difficult. Please make it go away. Make it stop. We've all had those moments. Maybe you're right in the middle of one right now. And we pray for God's relief and we pray for God's deliverance. And in that process, sometimes we significantly miss an opportunity of what God wants to do through the painful realities of our lives. Because we're so focusing on having it end and change that we're missing the opportunity for God to do something good despite it. I've done that lots of times. I want the easy way out. I want the lowest cost, the less suffering. That's what I want. That's what I want. But how about if we begin to pray like God instructed here in Jeremiah 29? This is where we are. Is there something God can do while I'm here? Is there something that God can accomplish through my pain? Because my greatest fear in this life will be that the pain that I've had to endure for whatever reason is somehow would be wasted. Is there something God can do here right now? And it's hard to come to that point. It's hard to come to that point. It's always harder to stay than it is to quit. Quitting is easy. Staying is hard. Whether it's your marriage or your job or your family or your kids or whatever, your church, whatever it might be. Quitting is easy. Staying is hard. God, what can you accomplish through me while I stay here? So I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. And as Andrew leads us, can I ask you to lead the song you sang earlier about in control can you do that for me please thank you Andrew and as the worship team leads us in this I want to end a little bit different this morning I want you to just take this moment to reflect on your life and just say God my hope is in you my hope is in Jesus I, and I, I know a better day is coming 
But right now where I find myself, is there something you can redeem in this for the betterment of others and the betterment of your kingdom? And if there is, can you show me how not to waste this moment? Can we do that this morning, Andrew? Would you, would you lead us as we sing this song together? heaven you can hear I know you're drawing near as I worship and held within your love the wind and waves will come but I will stay here I lift my hands to heaven, hear my heart surrendered. Tell my soul again, you are Lord of all. And though the seas are raging, you will speak and tame them. And you I find my rest, you are in control. Through valleys I will trust Your Spirit is enough To keep me walking You guide my every step Speak life to me again Lord, I need you And oh, I need you I lift my hands to heaven, hear my heart surrendered. I tell my soul again, you are Lord of all. Though the seas are raging, you will speak and tame them. And you I find my rest, you are in control. And I will trust in only you No one can add to your perfection You're the beginning and the end More than I can comprehend There is no one like you, no one and I will trust in only you No one can add to your perfection You're the beginning and the end More than I can comprehend There is no one like you, Jesus Lift my hands to heaven, hear my heart surrender. I tell my soul again, you are Lord of all. Though the seas are raging, you will speak and tame them. And you I find my rest, you are in control. Father, this morning, as we stand here before you, as your children, 
Lord, there may be some in this room this morning or watching on the live stream who desperately need to feel your love and your acceptance, your affirmation in their lives. They feel broken and beaten and burdened. There are many who are standing here today who are living out their own struggles and challenges desperately longing for this season to end and for some semblance of normal to come back into their lives. Holy Spirit, in this moment of wherever they are on this journey, would you bring comfort? Would you bring strength? Would you help them to not only survive, not only endure, but as you work through each individual life, would you help us to show Jesus and accomplish something for his kingdom in the midst of whatever and wherever we find ourselves today? God, can you use this somehow for your glory? Would you use it for your glory? Would you help us to find you in those dark places, in those broken places, in those moments of sorrow and grief and longing, desperation? Would you meet us right there and sustain us and help us? Lord, we are thankful for the hope that we have that a day is coming where Jesus will return and every eye will see him. And we live with that hope in mind. It's that hope that helps carry us through. It's the hope that carried through the early church and the church all through church history and the church today is our hope in you. Looking for that day the glorious appearing of our God and Savior. But in the meantime, between, as we wait, strengthen us and help us, comfort us, encourage us, and use us, we pray. Father, if there's someone listening this morning who feels they've reached the point where they just can't go one step further, They've reached the, the end and they feel hopeless. Would you help them to find hope in you this morning? Would you help them know that you can take them through, that you're with them? Lord, today we think of members of our congregation who need your touch today. We, we pray for Ray Chan in the hospital. We pray for your healing touch upon his body for strength, for peace for his family. We pray for James Cornelius in the hospital, for your presence and strength with him and be with Cammie and the family. Bring your peace. For Stelma as she continues to recover from surgery, from those who have not been well recently. Lord, we just lift each and every one before you. Those who are struggling with their families, and their marriages, decisions and challenges and work and finances and so many things. In the midst of all of that today, would you show us your peace? Would you let us experience your shalom in our lives, God? Peace that passes all understanding. 
Lord, as we leave this place today, many of us going back to the many of the things that are the source of a lot of our pain and our heartaches and our realities, would you help us as we go back into those environments to go back, knowing that you're with us, knowing that you're working, knowing that you will bring strength out of our weakness for your glory. And of anything else, may someone see Jesus through us this week. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today.